I'm Pastor Aaron Shepherd, and you're listening to the sermon podcast of Union Congregational Church, a caring community connected through God, loving and serving all along life's journey. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10:15 a.m. in our sanctuary at 55 Rhodes Avenue, next to Bird Park in East Walpole, Massachusetts. You can also join us from anywhere online via our live stream by visiting facebook.com slash churchbythepark. For more information about our church and its ministries, visit churchbythepark.org. Now here's this week's message. Let's hear the story of Easter as told in John's Gospel. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and he believed. The Easter story continues in John's Gospel. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she too bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels there in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Then supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And then she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means my teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Our third scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Let's continue listening for the good news of Easter here today. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. 
Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have passed away. Very good listening. Very good listening. Then he appeared to James, then to all the other apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. May God add a blessing to the hearing of this word. A couple of months back, my best friend John was telling me a story about an interaction he'd had with his then five-year-old son, Ben. John and his family had been invited to uh, uh, some friends of theirs' newest baby's baptism at the Catholic Church in town. And like all Catholic churches, in the sanctuary right in the center is a large crucifix. Now, a crucifix, for those unfamiliar, is a cross, like this one here, or this one here, only instead of being empty, it has a figure of Jesus hanging on it. These can be more or less detailed in their depiction of the act of crucifixion, but in any case, the symbolism of the crucifix is always the same. It reinforces the message of Christ's suffering and death for our sins. And so as John and his family were were walking into the sanctuary of that church, his son Ben pulled on his hand and pointed to the crucifix, and he said, look, there's Jesus. Now, John is not a big churchgoer, so he was a bit surprised and a little pleased that his son, his five-year-old son, knew who Jesus was. That's great, he thought. But then Ben said, he died. And John paused for a moment and he said, yes, Jesus died, but he was raised from the dead. Jesus is alive. Now, John was telling me this story because Ben was puzzled by this assertion. And John was a little flummoxed about what else to say. How do you explain resurrection to a five-year-old? Well, I assured him... I said, don't worry about it, John. You couldn't have said it any better. Jesus is alive. That's it. That is the whole enchilada. That is the Easter story in three easy words. Jesus is alive. But what does that mean? 
Little Ben's confusion and his father's frustration, I think, are warranted and understandable. The story of Easter is confusing. It is confounding. In the telling we heard of it here today, there's a kind of frantic energy pulsing through it, a bewildering, kind of topsy-turvy, Willy Wonka-esque bending of reality. It rattles our reason and shakes our sensibilities. From the shocking moment that Mary first discovers the empty tomb, everyone is literally running around like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. Mary ran back to get Peter and the other disciple, the one whose name we don't know. And then they all ran back to the tomb. And perhaps it was out of his great love for Jesus or Jesus' great love for him, but the beloved disciple, the other one, he reached the tomb first. But then he paused, and he didn't go in. Peter, who is Jesus' most charismatic and also most impulsive follower, however, runs to the tomb and he rushes right in and he sees the linen wrappings lying there and he sees no body. And then he, too, pauses. And there's this moment, this moment of stillness charged with all the nervous energy of uncertainty. And then the other disciple, the beloved one, comes in and he sees the wrappings, just as Peter had. Only the difference is he saw and he believed. And what did he believe? Jesus is alive. Outside the tomb, Mary was too grief-stricken to go in. But when the others had gone home, she gathers her courage and she looks into this opening in the ground. And instead of darkness, she sees light. She sees these two glowing figures, and she hears the voices of angels asking, who are you looking for? In Luke's telling of the Easter story, the angels put a finer point on their question. They ask, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He is risen. But Mary pushes back. She says, no, they've taken him away, and I don't know I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know which way to turn. And so she turns, it says, and there is Jesus, upright and ambulatory, standing right there in front of her, but she doesn't recognize him. How could that be? It's probably because Jesus really was unrecognizable in that moment. His resurrected body must have been different somehow, different in some mysterious spiritual way, and yet he was still Jesus. He was still himself, and he still knew Mary and called her by name. Jesus is alive in that moment, but he's alive in a new way. And for all intents and purposes, that is what resurrection means. It means to be alive in a new way, a way that has been opened to us by God in Christ through faith. And here I think a visual is helpful. You'll see there in your bulletin there is an image. This is an icon of the Eastern Orthodox Church. 
there are many like it. These are called anastasis icons, which is the Greek word for resurrection. And of course, you see Jesus there in the middle. He's in the center, stepping out of that uh, wormhole made out of piano keys. That's, that's how I see that. He's come out of the darkness, the night of the tomb. But note, he is not alone in doing so. You see him there holding onto the wrists of an old man and an old woman, and he's pulling them out of these opened stone sarcophagi. Well, that's Adam and Eve, humankind, literally being pulled from death to new life by Jesus. Just as the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, As all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. These primordial personifications of human nature are seen here fully restored to the world and joined into community with all of those others who are gathered around. In Matthew's Gospel, which we heard earlier this morning at the sunrise service, it says that in the moment when Jesus died on the cross... The ground shook, and rocks split, and the tombs also were opened, it says, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. It goes on to say that on Easter morning, it wasn't just Jesus who came out of the tomb, but all those others who had been raised, they came out of their tombs as well and walked around the city. Jesus' resurrection is not a solo, it is a symphony, proclaiming the glory of God and God's beloved community. Now below Jesus' feet, you see there, there's two rectangles crossed over one another. Those are the gates of Hades, which have been thrown down. Jesus, Jesus tells Peter at one point in Matthew's gospel that, that he will build his church upon Peter, and that nothing, not even the gates of Hades, will be able to hold it back. Jesus has begun a jailbreak from the underworld. And you can see still further down below that, do you see the little, little things there? Loosened cords, opened locks, broken chains. That is what resurrection looks like, friends. Empty tombs and broken chains. That's what it means that Jesus is alive and that we too can live in a new way, together in Christ, through faith. Of this image, the Reverend Chris Hoke recently wrote that it depicts resurrection not as a moment, but as a movement. Resurrection, he says, is not merely something we believe in, but something we as Christians are called to practice. But how do you practice resurrection? Well, Hoke co-founded Underground Ministries, organization in Washington State that helps communities of faith to open the underworld and enact the resurrection icon as a social option. And this organization opens the tombs of our society. They seek out those who are locked away in places of social death, cut off from their loved ones, cut off from their ability to work and support themselves financially, cut off from their rights to vote or participate in civic life. I am, of course, speaking about prisons. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Jesus' resurrection empties the tombs and it breaks the chains. And so Underground Ministries puts this into practice by working within prisons to give uh, prisoners hope. And then beyond the walls of the prison to help recently decarcerated people to connect with the communities they are returning to. Um, they work with churches and uh, other communities of faith to assist former inmates in finding homes and jobs, which can be very difficult to do if you have a felony conviction on your record. They put up money to pay off the fines that often keep uh, people from having their voting rights restored, and they also support a process of reconciliation and reconnection for these folks with their families. And I would encourage you to look up Underground Ministries and, and to watch and read the testimonials about their work because you can, you can get the flavor of resurrection, of new life in, in the telling of this good work. Following the risen Christ, living a faith that practices resurrection means seeking out places like prisons where people have become entombed and helping them to come alive again. Now sometimes those tombs are literally, literally a grave where a loved one's remains have been laid. But sometimes these tombs look more like housing product, projects or rehab centers or bomb shelters. And sometimes the tombs are even harder to see. Sometimes the tombs look like a broken family or a broken relationship or a broken heart. Sometimes the tombs look like a closet where someone has hidden away from their sexual uh, because their sexual orientation or gender identity is hated by the world. Perhaps you know of someone or you yourself are in a tomb like this. Well, Jesus knows what it's like to be in the tomb. The good shepherd knows his own flock, Jesus once said, and it is for them that he lays down his life. Jesus knew how sorrowful the world can be. He cried when his friend Lazarus died. He raged against the injustices of society. Jesus knew that people could be hateful. He knew, that, he knew what it was like when you were just hated for being who you are. But, but he met that hate with forgiveness. He confounded sorrow with grace. And he never stopped being who he was, even in death and resurrection. In Christ, we have an assurance that God sees the persistence and pervasiveness of injustice and sin in this world. But in Christ, we also see that God offers us a different way of living. A way of living where we treat others with dignity. Where we serve others with humility. And we put the needs of the lowly before our own. Jesus declared that nothing less than the salvation of the world would be the result of these changes. But the world killed Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote that if it is only for the world as we find it, that we have faith in Christ, if it is only for this life, he says, that we have faith in Christ, then we are indeed to be pitied. Because the world remains an often broken and sorrowful place where hope is a luxury many cannot afford. But then the Apostle writes... In fact, Jesus is 
Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Alive. Jesus is alive. My friend John was uncertain how to explain all this to his five-year-old. And to be quite honest, I'm not altogether certain about all of it either myself. In a way, that's the most uh, fitting approach, I think, to this moment when we are in the presence of a mystery as profound and powerful as resurrection. As the late great writer Rachel Held Evans wisely put it, sometimes we are closer to the truth in our vulnerabilities than in our safe certainties. Even when I don't believe in church, she wrote, I believe in resurrection. I believe in the hope of Sunday morning. And so on this Sunday morning, this Easter Sunday, we approach the empty tomb with hope. We come, some of us, like Mary, heavy laden, walking slowly and uncertainly with doubts in our minds and burdens on our hearts. Or we come, some of us, running frantically, as Peter and the other disciple did, out of great love or great need to be with Christ. Either way, we come here on Easter not to see crucifixion, but to witness resurrection, to see the cross emptied, the tomb emptied, empowering us to empty the tombs. And in a world of sin and death, we come on Easter Sunday to believe in hope that Jesus is alive. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope that God's word has come alive and blessed you today. If you want more information about Union Congregational Church, once again, feel free to come and visit us on Sunday morning or online at our website, churchbythepark.org.